Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project, where I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. Uh, we have a very fun episode, but before we get into it, I have a feeling this guy's got followers. So for the people who are following for our guest, let me just describe who Brian and I are, um, or I'll let Brian, I mean, it's one or the other, but basically we're financial advisors that like to put you in the driver's seat of your future. Meaning what is the things that you get excited about, passionate about, and then we try to use your money to try to get you to that end as fast as possible where I think a lot of advisors will put your money in avenues and retirement accounts that really lock your money up and you are just back to the grind of the eight to five uh, for the next 32 years. Uh, instead, Brian and I like to figure out what you're excited about. Then we like to see what kind of assets you have. And then we try to put a plan together to put you in a place where you are loving your life every day. Brian, I probably jacked that up so many ways oh. from Sunday. What would you add? Uh, we just try to teach people to invest in themselves, which is kind of a foreign concept. And uh, there's lots of ways to make money and create the life you want to live. So that's what we help people do and make those types of decisions. So the reason why we have our guests on the show, I'm going to let Brian do the bio. But before he gets into it, I feel like Brian and I are amazing advisors when it comes to the United States of America. <laughs> when you get out of this continent, we the are US toast. Of a. Yes. We are no help. I wouldn't say no help, but we do have a lot of clients all over the world, but they have US-based companies, which helps us navigate those waters. Uh, our guest is kind of like the uncommon wealth advisor for the rest of the world. Can't wait to get him on the show. Brian, do the, do the bio of my man, Brian Glorioso. Yeah, I want to do a proper Italian introduction today, so uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. He is the founder of Adventure Access, a strategic enterprise on the Tibetan Plateau. You heard that correct, Tibetan Plateau. And the proud part of his family of seven. Welcome to the show, Brian Glorioso. <laughs> there you did it. <laughs> hey, man, thanks for being on. Really, I'm excited to just dive into just your assets, your gifts, and the way that you impact others. But give us and our listeners a little taste of how you got to where you're at. Oh, man, uh, we don't have time for all of that. This has been <laughs> a long journey. Uh, I've been living in Western China for most of the past 20 years. And so it's a long story. Um, but essentially, you know, it started out with an opportunity to study abroad uh, when I was still in college. And just kept following, you know, just one desire after another, uh, being intentional uh, about placing myself. And then as my family grew, our family um, squarely where we wanted to be and not settling for anything else. And enough successive steps of that. And you're going to end up, you know, somewhere, somewhere like I am, you know, yeah. so. I get there's a lot of stuff to deal with this. I feel like the number one thing that you said, though, is keeping going down this path of really 
diving in on your gifts and your strengths and where you think God has strategically placed you in many areas of your life. I think it's interesting though with you is because normally when we're talking to individuals, they're doing that for them and maybe their wife. They're not taking their whole family, although they are kind of taking their whole family on a journey. But a lot of times that journey is in the United States. How is life, when you start uh, impacting your children in different cultures, how do you help them process through this? How do you get them excited for what you are excited about? What does that look like? Yeah, I think, you know, if work is a nine to five kind of thing, you know, where you go to it and then you come home from it, then your kids are never going to connect with it. Uh, When you build a career and you're on this path, this trajectory that has proper boundaries. I'm not saying that you're just a slave to work and your kids have to live, breathe and eat it. But when it becomes something that is important on the home front and it's something that the kids can see and they can touch and that they can enjoy. And it doesn't hurt that we run an adventure travel company. So it's a lot of fun, you know? And so, you know, our biggest fans are probably our kids. They're the ones that like to be out there careening down the mountain on the bike, you know, and, and climbing mountains and things like that. So it's, it's not real hard to like. So, but just in involving, um, it just being a part of the family life, um, you know, and not just something that I go to. Yeah. Right. Okay, Adventure Access, I want to talk about it. What is the company? You kind of alluded to it. Uh, what is the company? What's your intentions of like mottos? What are you trying to create? That kind of stuff. Yeah, so Adventure Access is an adventure travel operator. We are based in Western China with a focus on the Tibetan Plateau, uh, which you know encompasses multiple countries. Our primary operations are all within Western China. And so we specialize in creating those immersive type experiences. Adventure travel is, you know, a combination of things that include, you know, the, the outdoor sports, that kind of activity element, uh, cultural immersion and time and nature. And you combine those things together and that's where you get the adventure travel sphere. And so that's something we've been doing for a long time now. And our, you know, sweet spot is on trekking and hiking and mountain biking, uh, all on the Eastern edge of the Tibetan plateau. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a dream job, really. It's funny because when you think about, I'm going to totally just be personal quickly, but, uh, when my wife and I go vacationing, I think there's two sides of the spectrum. They're the one side. I want to sit on the beach and I want to read a book. Then you got the other side, which is like, all I want to do is adventure. That's my vacation. In fact, if I'm exhausted after my vacation, I feel like my love tank is full. My wife is completely opposite. And so it's funny to say, like, I, what you're describing is like my dream vacation, Brian. I'm just telling you. <laughs> well, we, we learned as a family, you know, a number of years ago, for us, there is a difference between travel and vacation. And there are times that I want to do exactly what you said, you know, especially at the end of a long season where we're just, Mm. you know, we're needing some recovery. We need a resort on the beach where we don't have to make decisions. (laughs) We don't need to think about anything. We can do exactly as you just said. Um, But then there's times where you want to travel and, and traveling is, it can be like an exhausting thing in terms the planning of it, especially like, where do we go? What do we want to see? What do we want to eat? What do we want to learn? How do we want this to impact us? How do we want this to impact our kids? And 
that's uh, you know, that's there's a load of information there. Um, and, and really, that's one of the sweet spots about adventure access is we help design that for people and listen to them so that it's it's easier to achieve that desire and that goal. And so it's more than just picking you up at the airport and taking you where you want to go. It's from conception all the way to getting you home. You know, these are very intentional tours and it's not your vacation type experience. It is your, I'm going to grow and learn and be impacted by this experience. And so mm. that's, that's what we do. Mm. Love it. Go ahead, Brian. I feel like I'm asking too many questions. I well, that. I mean, I went on a trip to Zimbabwe with some buddies to Victoria Falls, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. Down from that is a little gorge and these guys had, you know, shot metal cables over the gorge and you would zip out over the thing. They had a big swing. It was really a transformative moment for me, just not only being in another country, continent, uh, but then also experiencing kind of like an adventure type, you know, thing. And it's not like OSHA's there <laughs> in, in Africa or like, oh, what's the, you know, code to keep all this safe? You're kind of just some metal poles chalked into a big rock, you know, <laughs> metal cables. But uh, can you talk to us about kind of the experiences that people have and just like how transformative you know, it's been not only for your family, but just also the people that, you know, you're, are coming to share a life with you and this, uh, this experience that you've built. Yeah, one of the measures that we have internally uh, on our staff, um, and we ask ourselves quite regularly, on behalf of our clients is like, did they have any wow moments? Because I mean, that's really what we're looking for. And we're not trying to overreach for those. We're not trying to create something for the sake of that. We know the part of the world where we operate and we know our level of service is such that it will create those moments. And so seeing our clients have those moments and, and not to be cliche here, like it's not hard to discern because they usually literally say, wow, like, you know, in the moment. And so, you know, it's not like it's real hard, you know, for us to, you know, try to discern, you know, what it's like. Are they enjoying themselves? Yes. (laughs) So, you know, we're, we're tuned into that though, because that's what we want them to have. We have that, Um, you know, life overseas is so interesting for us because usually we're living in a city of 16 million people, big Asian, modern, you know, fast people everywhere. Well, our main base of operations is up on the Tibetan Plateau. It's about a six hour drive outside of that city. Small town. It's like living in a fishbowl as the only non-Asians who live there. And the town is 2,700 years old. It still has walls and fortifications around it. And our small home there in town uh, above the, the office space of our outdoor center is right in the middle of that. And I mean, we walk out to go to the market to buy, you know, meat and veggies for the day. And we're walking on the street and everything around you, I mean, it looks like something that is just surreal, you know, Mm. and all the time, like doing something as simple as going to get the groceries. It's like, we actually live here, you know, like, I mean, it's, and that, that, it's, it's not even lost on us, even after we've been there for so long. Uh, it is a deeply impactful place. That's so cool. Okay. I want to get into strategic enterprise 
because this is where I, I really do feel like you are helping people in an uncommon way do things like you are doing and being intentional, not only with their family, but what they're doing with their life. And so I want to talk about that role and how you have been instrumental in helping people make these same choices as you have done with your family. Um, so let's go there. Strategic enterprise. Sure. Talk to me. What is it? Define it first, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So I think better than a definition is maybe giving an example, um, because to me, like it just it works that way. Uh, you know, I can read a definition and still be like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so when I use the term strategic enterprise, um, what I mean from that at the outset is that it's something that originates with design. There, there's no room for default responses here. Like, and just being driven along by, well, you know, I'm just going to make do with whatever this thing becomes. It's not that it is. I'm going to design this thing from the very beginning to achieve a goal that I have at the very outset of this venture. Strategic enterprise fits squarely within the realm of um, entrepreneurship. It is for people who are trying to create job create opportunities to make something. And so it's, it's going to be a small niche. You know, you're not going to find your average business student, you know, leaning towards strategic enterprise unless they want to be an entrepreneur. Um, and so it's, um, it's just that it's, I have a clearly defined purpose and why I want to do this. And that is, the, the track that it puts me on. So, you know, you are going to evaluate everything in light of that. Does this get me there or not? Um, I think there's an incredible book that gets to this idea um, called um, Essentialism. I don't know if you've ever read that. Hmm. Um, and it it's really a book about saying no, you know, boiling everything down to what do I want to go big on and eliminating everything else. The problem is that's not a one-time deal. Like yeah. that's just the first step because now it does help the process because those one, that one big step in the beginning of this is what I'm going to go big on does actually automate, you know, 10,000 no's down the line, mm. which will really help you in your headspace and your mental energy. Cause yeah. trying to decide, am I, is this a yes or no constantly is exhausting. And so it does, you know, I don't want to say him you in because that sounds negative, but it, it clarifies for you. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And for my family, the desire and the attention from the beginning was we want our lives to be in this part of the world among this community of people because we love it. And we want to raise our kids here. Mm -hmm. We want it to impact our children and we want to be planted here now. There are a lot of things working against that concept. And so choosing the strategic enterprise approach gave us a resource, a tool, and a way so that we could actually get after it. So, And interact with the people around you in a very oh, positive way. I want to talk about it, but I'm not going to let Brian lose that thought. Come on, buddy. Well, and like, to be super specific, you're saying like strategic enterprise is your business, right? Yeah, like yes, I would define kind of like yeah, I would define adventure access as a strategic enterprise. Now, gotcha, gotcha. let me give an example of of how this is different because I don't think it's just semantics. 
you know, I talk to a number of business owners, people who are have started something on their own, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, or maybe they inherited something, you know, <laughs> in a way from uh, a family uh, business type thing, and they're wanting to be purposeful with it. Um, and I'm not good at that, you know. So, like you said at the outset of this, you know, I'm good at certain things overseas, and it's entrepreneurship for a very clear purpose in living overseas, you know, because I don't know what to tell the guy that's already, you know, their business is already, you know, 20 years into something because it wasn't designed from the ground up with like this strong, like, well, this is what I want this to be. Now I think they could go back and start to redesign some things, maybe some projects that have that kind of intention in it, but to start from the very beginning with a clearly defined intention and completely build a business around it is a very different starting point. And that's why I think strategic enterprises is, is the best way I know how to describe it. Um, because again, it's all about design and not just suddenly waking up one day and you're where you are and you're asking yourself, how do I make a bigger impact this, with this thing? Because you know what? You might not be able to, because right. I've seen, you know, um, people take the right business, but with the wrong model and it completely sabotaged the thing. So it's not just about landing on the right business. It's gotta be, you know, if you're talking about the right place, you've already defined, this is where I want it to be. Then it still has to be the right business done in the right way Mm -hmm. to actually achieve something that you want it to do. And I love this because Uncommon Wealth Partners, that's Brian and I's company. This is our podcast, Uncommon Life Project. We want to help people impact others at a high level because when we're doing that, it's really, we're being, that's what God's all called us to do. And I think that we can then impact others when we're in our giftings. And that's exactly what you're doing in other countries is you're going to try to impact as many people as possible. And then when you get to those countries, I love it because you're interacting with these people at such a high level. And they can see the kind of person you are by the business and the hard work that you are producing and the level of, um, I would say, ways that you interact with even the culture in and of itself. But at the end of the day, you are contributing to that. And that's a very attractive thing to people in other countries. It's just not that you're coming over and just going to hang out for two years and leaving. Oh, no, like 20 years. (laughs) It's got to been a grind. And the way that the people, Tibetan people can now interact with you, they have a respect there because you've done it right. And now they can enter into seeing what your core values are. I respect this. Like he's a contributing factor to our economy. And I mean, it's such a brilliant model because at the end of the day, Brian, you're impacting people at a very intentional way. Is that a good kind of synopsis of- uh, It is, you know, because I mean, if you want to boil- it all down. I mean, love God, love your neighbor. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of places around the world that are hurting deeply. And what is it like to choose a place that is just needs something loving, whether that's for their social need, their economic need, whatever, Mm -hmm. like to just enter in and just love them because they're our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but have we ever really thought about 
I want to choose my neighbors, not because of what school district this is or because of what access it gives us to, you know, shopping or convenience, but saying, you know what, like for things that truly matter, meaning by the design of God, like these are the things that are most deeply important. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to choose to plant myself there. And the reality is most places around the world, if you are not a national there, it's going to take a great deal of effort to become a resident, you know? And so that's where the, the enterprise helps, you know, and yeah. because it gives contribution, it gives meaning, it gives something to collaborate with the local authorities on. Um, this is not something that happens in a vacuum, like, you know, that, that, the authorities and other people are unaware of. I mean, this is yeah. something that is very much in conversation with and in partnership with all the stakeholders, um, you know, whether that's government or just the lady that runs the vegetable stall around the corner, <laughs> you know, that's it's everybody, you know, has, has a part in this thing. So we're shooting this uh, in early December, 2020 COVID is uh, ramping you're in a travel business. <laughs> a lot of people aren't traveling. Uh, you're in China. And so can you kind of just talk to our listeners about how you've navigated? I mean, you just sound so upbeat and hopeful. And, you it's know, funny I think obviously it's clear, like you're not, you know, in a fear mindset and you're not worried about things. So kind of shed light on that. So Brian, year. you're not in China right now. You're actually in, uh, what is it? New Orleans, I'm in Louisiana right now. Oh, Louisiana. Okay. So right. yeah, so um, because if about... you know COVID wasn't enough, we decided we would you know temporarily relocate in like Hurricane Central, right? <laughs> so this <laughs> has been everything will be twenty twenty. You know, it just a textbook twenty twenty move, right? So, um, but I think that adds to your question. Like we're not actually where right. we want to be. We are eleven months into a three week trip. Wow. you know, talk about, you know, a vacation gone wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's just been a very challenging year. Um, and I think, you know, if I viewed everything around me with a clenched fist, like this is mine, like I have to make this work, right. then I think there would probably be some despair uh, and, a, and a great deal of fear. I think one of the keys to living intentionally, especially in the strategic enterprise sphere, is to recognize first that my primary role is chief steward. Mm. You know, I have this vision and we have this business and it's mine and my executive team's responsibility to steward that well. Trusting that at the end of the day, this this doesn't belong to me. Mm -hmm. um, that, and that's very freeing. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, now there's still a great deal of responsibility in that, and there's is still many a day that I'm just like, oh my, like how is this gonna work? And so it takes a, a great deal of trust um, and just continuing to put one foot in front of the other. I will tell you this though throughout this year, which has been extremely challenging and the travel industry has probably been one of the hardest hit industries yeah. in the world. And that's not just being dramatic. Right. Um, I was on a webcast last night 
with the Adventure Travel Trade Association, which we're a member of. I mean, the data is there. I mean, (laughs) travel has been decimated Mm -hmm. uh, this year. And so, you know, I'm not going to just paint a rosy picture. We're hurting. Um, Yet we've been able to maintain uh, our core staff. Uh, Our executive leaders are still there. We're still hitting um, payroll for our employees that are in China. Um, I've had to step back from receiving salary from that side. Um, and so there's some real challenges there. But I was speaking with uh, a business mentor of mine um, just yesterday, and we were talking about um, just that unique value proposition. Like, what are the distinctives of adventure access that give us that real competitive advantage? And it was interesting throughout the course of our conversation that this year, 2020, has really contributed heavily towards developing a fourth. We already had three that we had identified that put us in a really strong position. Interestingly enough, at the end of this year, there is an identifiable fourth distinction that really gives us an advantage over so many competitors. And that, and it's internal, is something that most people will never see. They will not come through our doors, go on an experience with us and walk away saying, man, this company has an incredible leadership team. But I tell you this, having a leadership team that can handle the challenges that we've handled this year and actually come out stronger as a result of it, I'm like, uh, 2021 can be whatever it wants to be. Yeah, because, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so because we're headed in the right direction, That's but good. those, those guys see it as stewardship too, you know, and you know, so it all comes back to like, are we doing our part? Core values, right? Like everyone yeah. shares the same core values. What are the other three distinctions? You mentioned the fourth. What's the other three? Yeah. So the others are that we are local in that sense. Like our outdoor center is on the plateau. Like, we're not just traveling in with our clients, taking them to see cool places and then going back, you know, to some port of entry with them. Like they're playing in our backyard. You know, like I said, we live in that town that is 2,700 years old. And so you can just give something different to people. You can impart something different when it's your neighborhood. Um, and so that's one of them is that we're, we're local in that sense. Um, we are, very passionate about what we do. You know, I would say that we, we fit in the pro category when it comes to the activities that we lead. So just our expertise, the professionalism of it, there's a lot of things out there that are exactly what you described in that, that zip line that, you know, OSHA's not there. Well, <laughs> OSHA's not a lot of places, but right. we need to be doing that. You know, right. my, my sister-in-law on her first trip to China, she was in Southwest China and she went bungee jumping. And this was a long time ago. Like China right. has developed Before. a great deal since then. So I would not be worried about it now. At the time, however, the sign out front said in English, bungee bump, not bungee jump. And I'm like, you don't <laughs> want there to be a bump at the end of this no ride. You know, like, no. So they go into a place to eat tacos and it says like bacos or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's the stakes are high in adventure, you know, when yeah, the people seriously. leading it are not really good. And 
and professional at what they do. So that's right. the, the, the second. The third is we are the culture bridge. I think mm -hmm. the, the ethnic diversity of our team and, you know, the ability to not just take people to something in a logistically efficient manner, but to be able to be that culture bridge to even help the client almost interpret for themselves what they're experiencing because they're the outsider experiencing something very new. And we live in between. And our own culture has actually been the, the melding of the outside experience and what the people are experiencing locally. Mm -hmm. That isn't something that just comes overnight. You know, if a new adventure travel company showed up on our doorstep tomorrow, I would not be too worried about them. It takes decades for that type of thing to develop. Mm -hmm. And so our people have that. And, and it's, it's tremendous when you combine those type of distinctives together and, and it just flows. Most people don't even know how to label it when they're on the experience. All they can do is say, wow. Wow. You know? <laughs> so, right. And then the fourth one is a strong leadership team, which yeah. you don't take for granted, especially in 2020, which I love that no. you have that. Okay. So here's the deal. How, how do you help others now think strategically when they're thinking about what they want to do for the rest of their life? How do you, how do you specifically turn into an uncommon wealth partner advisor and help them? Yeah. So of all the things that, that probably do scare me a bit, you know, you talked about that a moment ago, um, man, when somebody young, you know, steps into a room with me and is like, I help me do this thing. It's like, Oh man, you know, <laughs> it's a you responsibility know, now. It right? is definitely right. a responsibility. Um, but I think, you know, um, my confidence in that again is I'm not telling them what to do. Um, I'm just leading them down a path of discovering what it is that they want to do. Now I've paid enough stupid tax along the way to hopefully, um, you know, bring the curve down and maybe save them seven years along the way. <laughs> um, you know, and that's not my own term that, that stupid tax comes from a, a good friend We've of mine. Several times. So, right. Yeah. You probably know the friend. And so, um, anyways, it's, but it's so appropriate, right? Because, you know, those, you learn from your mistakes and there's some things that people are just going to have to mess up on their own. And we're going to have to help them through that. And there's going to be a great deal of character building and, and value gained from that. Now, it is important to have somebody to help you through it and pull you out of it at times. Um, you know, but being able to, to take people through a process, because I am a lifelong learner. I love studying things and I'm not afraid to study like myself, the own th things that I'm doing. And, um, and that's usually where you're, you're learning from your mistakes, you know, not looking at it, but like, I did all of this, right. Everything I nailed it. I've nailed yeah. it for 20 years. Never no, once have I no, said that, by the way. No, 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 no. And right. so, so as I do look back and, and try to learn from this long journey, uh, th there are a lot of things to learn from. There are a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. that have been made and there are some successes along the way too. And I think we can identify why did that work and that not, or, you know, what was the key lesson learned in that? And, and it's just a matter of passing those things along. 
but doing it in a way that we've, we've actually boiled this thing down to there's a lot of principles at play. There's a lot of certain actions that need to be taken along the way that it doesn't matter if you're in China, if you are in Africa, if you're in the Maldives, you know, it, it these things are going to transfer. You know, I'm not going to export adventure access to someplace off of the Tibetan plateau, not as it exists in its current form. Why? It wouldn't work. We would probably have to adjust the model, even if we chose to stay inside of the adventure travel industry. Because adventure access is a solution for the Glorioso family in Eastern Tibet. Mm. And that's not going to exist anywhere else because if we're talking about consulting with someone else, well, one, they're not the Glorioso family and two, they're probably not in Eastern Tibet. And so, <laughs> but there is still a lot out there that, that can be helpful. And, you know, my job as the visionary in adventure access is at, at that level uh, to work with government relations, to work with industry relations, and also to help other people. You know, I would love to see an entire ecosystem of strategic enterprises, you know, around this concept and, and specifically within the Tibetan Buddhist world. That's just our niche. That's where we're good at working. Um, and, you know, if there is time and margin to step outside of the Tibetan Buddhist world and, and help people in other places, we do that too. Um, we're very careful and, and who I'll take on um, mm -hmm. and just in terms of time. Um, but it is something that we do. You've mentioned the word model several times today. I'm a huge proponent of business models and it's a big part of uh, our podcast. And, you know, we kind of break it down into the seven sources of residual income and helping people monetize their passion in different ways. You know, whether it's real estate, uh, we've talked a lot about kind of now like the subscription model that's become very popularized. Um, you know, looking at it because you are, you know, from America, you're in America now. Um, and kind of the traditional, you know, wealth management, building wealth as a business owner in America. What are those principles or models that you see translating, maybe not even, not only in China, but just, you know, you're helping lots of people in lots of places. What are those principles in terms of the model building wealth, you know, that are, that you're seeing that translate all over the world? Yeah. Um, so even though I'm from the U.S., I grew up here. And we still come back here uh, to visit every year or two. And this year, we've spent almost the entire year here. Um, I'm still very much a newbie when it comes to things in the U.S. In fact, um, our, our CPA here probably thinks, what in the <laughs> world does this guy do doing owning a business? Because, you know, the U.S. is, is a strange foreign place to me in terms of, of how things work. Um, but I, I think... I, I understand um, your question. Like, um, and so when I talk about model, um, you know, cause it, that has come up several times today, I'm thinking about um, just that, that design. Like if we were to, to try to put this idea down on a canvas and actually draw it out, you know, especially in something visual, not just a bunch of words, you know, on a whiteboard, but, um, what does it look like? What does it materialize as? And I think that you can monetize that thing in a way that is not shady 
or that you're taking somebody for a ride because, and I think it helps um, values actually help that because we have a a value matrix um, at adventure access that actually is one of the tools we use to determine yes or no on, on strategic directions, you know, for example, um, China is a big place. There's a lot of really uh, profitable destinations in China, but you know what? It's not in our wheelhouse. So when we apply our values-based metric tool on decision-making, it keeps us in our wheelhouse. It keeps us close to home, which is why we're so stinking good at doing tours there anyways, is because we've not spread ourselves a mile wide and an inch deep. You know, we say no to a lot of options Mm -hmm. so that we hold on dearly to the important ones. Um, And, you know, it's hard, especially in the startup phase to say no to business, but you know, it's going to sink you if you don't. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's, it's having that, that values-based model, um, you know, that we have, uh, we call it our, our company focus and it's kind of imagine like a Venn diagram with the overlapping points. And we have identified these, these few things as being, this is, this is important to us and where they all intersect in the middle is where we try to keep the, the sites of our business, you know, directed towards. Here's the thing, you know, our desire, you know, as a family and our staff, we love the Tibetan plateau. Like we want to be on the Tibetan plateau, not just because that's where our clients want to go, but because we like it. You know, if we have time, we want to go up there. Those are our friends. Those are our neighbors. That's where we want to be. You know, when I think about a mountain to climb, I want to climb one of those mountains, you know? Um, And so that, that is not the fact that we've identified that for ourselves though, does not mean that we're trying to, trick our clients into choosing that just because we want it you know it actually when we're executing on the things that are valuable to us is when we are at our best for our clients they have those wow experiences whenever we're operating a hundred percent within the things that we have identified as being what we want Mm -hmm. now does that mean every adventure traveler needs to come to Tibet? No, they may not want what we want. And Which that's okay. Totally that is fine. totally fine. In and fact, you know thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, because yeah. you're going to be miserable while you're there. Right, right. And so, you know, there's, it's, it serves both parties so well in that when it helps us and it helps them. When you yeah. can figure out your core values and you don't stray with them for them, it's like, hey, no one, not everyone needs to like me, right? I don't need to be a chameleon to try to get you to like me. It just works. And I'd, you touched on something here about passion. And I love when people are like, I'm not a salesman. I'm like, yeah, you're just not passionate about what you're selling. Does that make sense? Like if you are passionate about whatever it is, underwater basket weaving, let's just throw it out there. You are the best salesman because you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Because you love talking about it. Like we get to see this time and time again when we sit down with somebody we just try to get them to be passionate about whatever they're talking about. Two hours later, we'll ask them, how long have we been talking? I don't know, 15 minutes. No, two hours because you were passionate and we love it. And that's what you get to do. You get to be passionate about what you do. All right. I got a question for you. What kind of adventures can people go on with Adventure Access? Probably a lot more than you think. 
because I think people assume or equate Tibet with being very extreme. The first thing that comes to mind is probably Mount Everest. You know, people can't breathe. You know, I have to be <laughs> 27 years old, chiseled out of stone and, and you know, just killing it, you know, on, in, in every way. The largest demographic of adventure travelers around the world ages 50 to 70. Wow. And so the biggest sector of adventure travel is actually what would be labeled as um, uh, soft adventure. You know, so it's not the extreme thing. In fact, we don't lead clients on commercially guided um, big mountain expeditions. Now we'll, we'll do them ourselves. We've actually given logistical support to some, but that's not what we're doing for our clients who are, who are coming through um, the adventure access door. So it is open to a full range of people. I mean, we have families who have elementary school aged kids, you know, we have, you know, 70 something year olds and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it is a bigger spectrum than you probably would think, you know, when you initially hear the idea adventure travel in Tibet. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said earlier, you know, you've got, um, hiking and mountain biking is very common in those activities. Um, some of China's best, national parks are right in our backyard. I mean, it'd be like the equivalent of having Yellowstone and Yosemite an hour and a half away from one another. And they're, you know, right outside of the town where um, our, our operations base wow. is. And so you've got those things. I mean, there's a handful of UNESCO World Heritage Sites that are also like right in the backyard. So this is the kind of thing that, you know, a lot of our, our trips are quite long, um, especially for inbound travelers. You know, it's not uncommon for us to get clients from Europe um, that are going to come and they're going to spend six weeks in China oh, and so we will plan their entire experience. And, you know, they land in Beijing, they visit, um, and they, they, they spend time there. They're going to spend time traveling through Xi'an to see the terracotta warriors. That's all kind of pre-tour experiences where we have partners that have, we've established there that we know are going to operate at the same level of service that we expect of ourselves then they get into the core of their trip, which is, you know, two to three weeks on the ground in Eastern Tibet with us, where we're going from point A to B to C to D in a very carefully crafted way so that it's actually creating a seamless narrative to experience all the different aspects of culture, whether it's religious mm -hmm. life to nomad life to, you know, um, time on the trails, hiking and these kinds of things, you know, culminating in time in Chengdu, which is like the culinary center of China. So you've got those food experiences, you know, oh. you know, all throughout. And it just, it's sign me up. <laughs> exactly. I'm all about. It. So my next question, family of five, how much is it going to cost me? It, well, and there's a range there. I mean, you can, <laughs> yeah, you have, you have to decide what you want to do. Right. Um, China is not as cheap as it was, you know, 20 years ago when you had a lot of backpackers working their way through that China has gone. Uh, it has modernized. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Now, some of that modernization has actually made travel affordable. I mean, you can hop, you know, on a high speed train and cover the same distance on the ground, you know, in the same amount of time that it used to take you to fly and do it for a quarter of the price, you know, because you're sitting on a train. So there's some advantages there. But, you know, um, it, it would be hard to do it 
um, you know, for a whole family, you're, you're still probably going to be in the range of about a hundred dollars a day per person. After so, you get over there. Plus, after you get over there, that's <laughs> okay. on the ground. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So, but you know, we have, you know, some experiences and services and they're actually quite regular that they're, they're wanting to stay. Um, they're willing to rough it and they want to rough it because they want to be pushed out of their comfort zone, but they want that to be selective when they're not roughing it. They want to be staying in the four seasons, Yeah. you know? And so it's that combination of things. Well, you start getting into things like that, you know, you're looking, you know, at, you know, 250, $350, $400 a day per person, usually based off of their accommodation choices. Exactly. Which they can, we, they can go up or down. People can do. How would our listeners find out more about you, Brian? Uh, more about Adventure Access, like just more information. Yeah, I mean, just our, our website, you know, is is probably the, the first place you'd want to go to. It's just www.adventure-access.com. Um, and that's going to get you to, to our website. Uh, if you want to be tempted, you know, to come and visit, <laughs> then you definitely need to be on Instagram. <laughs> so the photos that they, just my team keeps pushing out there, it's, it's makes me homesick, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're killing me. Um, you know, so if you, if you're looking for that real visual, like, what does it look like there? You know, social media definitely does a good job of that, you know, and you can find all of that via the website. Uh, if people are wanting to be in touch with me, like you said, just as it relates to how do we, make a way overseas, you know, and, and live by design and, and choose an interest in strategic enterprise. And I mean, it's going to need to reach out to me via email, which is Brian at adventure-access.com. Perfect. With an I, Brian with an I. I Brian just with an say I. That because we do have a Brian That's with a Y. Yeah. When do you get to go back? Do you have an idea of what that looks like to return? No. That's the short answer. Wow. Um, and, and that one's tough. Um, most of the world is still not traveling. I mean, if you try to find a flight from the U S to China right now, I mean, it's just, it's, it's almost happening. impossible. Yeah. It's mm. not happening. The world is not moving right now. Well, as soon as it does, we're going to go. Mm. So. Yeah. Brian, I appreciate your time yeah. you took with us today. God, I just really am encouraged. I hope you're encouraged yeah. about what you're doing and, in any way that we can help you. But I love how you're just intentional and you're the chief steward of what your life looks like and to be intentional with it. So thank you for all the lives you've impacted, the lives you're going to impact. And if there's any way that Uncommon Wealth Partners can help you in your future, we would love to be there for you. You've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. I'm your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. Tune in next time. Until then, go be in common. Thanks, everybody. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.